Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to this week's Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson, the Managing Partner and Chief Investment Officer of the Bonson Group. And we are excited to talk this week about a really interesting subject that happens to dovetail, or I should say lead, to a conclusion that is extremely and coincidentally and nicely compatible with about everything we believe uh, regarding investing here at the Bonson Group. And the entire philosophy that I have uh, adopted and studied and devoted my professional investing life to for many, many years now and many, many years to go, we think uh, plays an important role in a conversation that's become quite um, relevant, quite controversial, as a matter of fact, in the world of financial punditry and media and, and things of that nature. Let me give you a little context quickly. Um, about a week and a half ago now, the uh, famed multi-billionaire investor Warren Buffett and the CEO of J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, uh, were interviewed jointly together by Becky Quick on CNBC, where they announced uh, Jamie Dimon chairs the Business Roundtable, a lot of very prestigious, high-level CEOs, and they announced their uh, joint uh, endeavor that more and more companies abandon the practice of offering short-term quarterly guidance. So in other words, companies for a lot of years now have made it a habit to offer to analysts and investors what just took place in the quarter behind and what they think is going to be happening in the quarter ahead. And the argument for many has been, well, you know what, this is highly manipulatable. This is something that uh, puts puts the focus on short-term concerns. It rewards stock prices for certain short-term uh, uh, events, including ones that can kind of be knob-turned with accounting treatment and with uh, a number of, of short-term tools uh, on the balance sheet and so forth and treatment of economic um, uh, of accounting, you know, uh, occurrences, and 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 yet um, it also can punish companies for certain short-term things that are far outside of their control, weather-related or competitor-related or just transitory different things that can happen in little, you know, thirty, sixty, and ninety-day windows. Uh, so I I will say that. Um, it is an interesting conversation. There are arguments that quarterly guidance going forward, which then can lead to quarterly surprises on the upside or disappointments on the downside, um, are silly. There are arguments that they are healthy in, trans in building transparency. There are also arguments that um, they lead to bad behavior from CEOs or from CFOs that maybe they end up doing things they otherwise wouldn't be doing apart from that sort of short-termism. And and I thought that the interview was very compelling. I think that uh, Diamond and, and Buffett both gave their case uh, cogently and, and non-emotively. And I also understand, too, that there's folks who believe, look, the more information, the better. Um, transparency and projection and accountability are all good things. And so the, these, the, to the extent that these things can be used to build greater clarity, that, that should be encouraged, not discouraged. But, but I guess rather than take a firm stance on, on that debate, 
I would point something out that I think is at the kind of core of what the dividend growth philosophy and in investing and in equity investing that we um, practice at the Bonson Group, it, it helps us to sort of transcend this entire controversy and this entire conversation. Um, people are looking to what a CEO might say every 30, 60, 90 days and how stock prices might react to, oh, we thought you were going to ship 100,000 widgets and you only ship 96,000 widgets and, 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 and over 90-day periods, what projections are up, down, and different. It, it adds to more volatility in the market and it essentially, I do believe, is really a tool that is primarily um, for traders. Now, Buffett and Diamond's focus is on this change so as to curtail CEO behavior. And that, that's fine. Like I said, there's arguments for and against where they're coming from. But my point today in Advice and Insights is how it plays into investor behavior, how a member of the investing public should be impacted by this whole discussion because I don't believe that a focus on quarterly results is ever investable. Whether the CEO is offering that transparency or prediction or forecast or guesswork, sometimes it even could be manipulation and accounting shenanigans for good or for bad. Fundamentally, the notion of investing with a 90-day time horizon strikes us as far outside cogent, disciplined, prudent uh, investing behaviors and disciplines. But how do we know what the what, what management believes about their prospects as a company? Long term, if if quarterly guidance is maybe not as important or helpful or useful, and in, in the case of this present discussion, many consider not even uh, actually counterproductive, what what is it that we look to? And you probably know where I'm going with this. I believe that for all of time, the best indicator, not a perfect one as I'm going to talk about in a moment, but the best indicator of how management actually feels about their own prospects has been the cash dividend they pay to shareholders and, in fact, what they do about growing that cash dividend they pay to shareholders. The growth taking place at least on an annual basis. Some companies do it more frequently. Some companies even do it with special and one-time dividends on top of their recurring. Um, but the the level of that quarterly dividend, the, the dividend payout ratio that it represents, the yield that that dividend divided by the company's stock price, what it represents, and then their habits, practices, traditions, and uh, execution of increasing that dividend. I don't know why anybody would pay attention to an analyst phone call where a CFO downplays you know, a disappointing widget delivery number or really hypes up the fact that they had more revenue on swap transactions, different things like that that, again, are totally transitory and totally irrelevant to the core strategy and financial health of the underlying business. 
I think that when a company is saying, hey, shareholder, we earned profits and we want to give these profits back to you, they're telling you what they feel about their own profitability, the sustainability of that profitability, and their own balance sheet health, how levered they are as a company and and how uh, prudent they're being in terms of the return on equity that they are generating as operators of the business. If a business is highly cyclical and highly volatile, it stands to reason they may be a little more gun-shy with the dividend, have to uh, account for rainy day uh, activity where, where they have to bogart some of their cash. If they believe they have a very good moat around their business and sustainable growing free cash flows, it stands to reason that they may be more generous with shareholders. And, and that, that clarity, that transparency people want, they get from what they're actually doing with their income statement, what they're actually doing with cash to shareholders. Now, some will say, well, when they buy back stock, it accomplishes it, except for there's a problem. They don't, you don't see when they're buying back stock. You see when they've authorized a stock purchase. So even then, stock purchases can be authorized for buyback, but then they can go issue new shares for executive bonuses, executive compensation, employee stock options. So you, you, net-net, I still think it ends up probably being a good indicator, but it's nowhere near as simple and as clear and as transparent uh, as the dividend payment. The growth of the dividend payment saying not only do we believe that these cash flows are good and healthy, we can afford to pay these profits out to our shareholders who took risk by investing in us, but we feel so confident about the future, we know what is happening with our competitors, we see what's happening with our expense management, we see what's happening with our key strategic initiatives, and with all of those optics and with all of those things in mind, we feel comfortable increasing the dividend that we're paying out and 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 that that to me is so much more important than anything i could ever see in a quarterly call now one of the arguments against this i'm just gonna on a preemptive basis address is that a company could also lie with their dividend and that's very true a company could say could be reckless or irresponsible pay out a dividend and then all of a sudden have company fortunes churn Uh, They could be paying a dividend even when they can't afford to be paying it. They could be borrowing money and paying a dividend just to kind of keep the wheel turning. And a great example of this was some of the financial institutions in 2007 whose balance sheets were literally corroding, and yet they were papering over it. And and then by not marking down assets nearly as much as their value had deteriorated, and yet continuing to pay a dividend, and and by my logic, it would have produced a false signal of optimism. But there were two things that I will say uh, as to why I don't accept this um, as an argument against what I'm saying. First and foremost, it doesn't work in perpetuity. It can be done uh, on a given quarter, but even then, it can't be done if we are actually doing our homework to evaluate that dividend relative to free cash flow. Free cash flow doesn't lie. So if you're just deteriorating your own balance sheet by paying a dividend, proper forensic research of the balance sheet and the income statement should reveal that. That's our job. But also, especially post-financial crisis, it doesn't behoove management 
to do something that they're clearly going to get caught with eventually anyways. And in fact, when they do get caught, when bad news doesn't go away with age, it's going to make their problem much worse that they were paying out the dividend as opposed to bogarting the cash that they were going to end up needing when the distress is more uh, potent and, and more real. So the, the analogy I use a lot is most people do not lie on their tax return by saying that they made more money than they made. They may very well use accounting you know, uh, tools to understate their income so as to decrease their tax liability and, and hold on to more of their own cash, but they don't tell the government they made more than they made and pay out more in taxes. And I believe it's a very good analogy to the way you should expect management to treat their own income statement. Paying out a higher dividend, that cash cannot come back to you when you know you have a distress event into the future. Sure, you might theoretically fool someone for one quarter or so, but ultimately it not only is going to be discovered, it's going to make things much worse when it is discovered because that cash is gone and you're recoverable. So the track record of history is abundantly clear. Companies that are uh, shareholder-friendly stewards of capital, that are generous payers of dividends from healthy, organic growth in their own company, um, and growing that dividend or providing us the signal and us the transparency we want about the long-term health of the company. So in this sense, we're very aligned with Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon and all such efforts to rebut short-termism in corporate America, but also short-termism in the investing public. And we believe that the dividend and dividend growth still today provides the best indicator we could hope for as to the real financial health of a company. This has been the Advice and Insights Podcast. I encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already, to forward this to everyone you'd like, to write a review for us, and most importantly, to reach out with any questions you may have, those of us at the Bonson Group. David Bonson, love giving this information to you. Really hope you've benefited from it. Thank you for listening to Advice and Insights. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. 
This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.